When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emmett Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign up and you are welcome to a Cheltenham special. The countdown is on, and we're going to focus on the novice hurdlers with the author of the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, which is back once again with the ill behavior and lots of gravy in its 23rd year. Mr. Paul Ferguson, welcome back to the show. I am, you guys. I'm in good form, my man. I'm in good form, thank God. Um, you must have been up the walls over the last few weeks, compiling all this data and uh, getting everything in place. So it's going to launch this week. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, glad, glad to get it over the line last week, to be honest. It's those last few days, um, final amendments, and um, editing and proofreading all the um, excellent editorial from the guest authors. So... Yeah, it was good to get it over the line last Tuesday. Um, I think it's due back from the printers in the next day or so. So anyone who's pre-ordered um, should receive their copy, possibly maybe by the weekend, but the official publication date, I should say, is on Friday. Yep. yep, Friday is the official publication date, and here's the bonus for you, because we're always looking after you with Weatherby's and the gravy. So whether you want the book or the digital copy, or the bundle, head to weatherbyshop.co.uk and you can get £5 off the book. Caution! When we did this promo last year, you sold out! The print copy. Sold it out. Couldn't be got with the final front podcast code. But you could get my favourite, the digital copy. Uh, or you can get the bundle. So the £5 discount for the essential guide for Cheltenham, the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival Betting Guide with extensive trend analysis of all 28 races. The promo code for Final Furlong Podcast listeners, Paul Ferguson, is? Uh, it's Final 22. Final is all in lowercase. So that's Final 22. Final 22. Get there now to weatherbyshop.co.uk. Order. Do not be disappointed. And uh, going, how did I miss out? Because you were too late, that's why. Um, I do love the digital copy, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. Uh, We're going to talk about the novice hurdlers. So we'll start with the Supreme, obviously, um, and the crowd roaring their heads off when um, the race begins, which is one of the best things of the festival. The market currently with Kaluki has Constitution Hill as favourite, Dysart Dynamo, is closing all the time, um, three to one. John Bond has gone out to nine to two. Uh, Sir Gerard is uh, 
a horse who's pretty interesting in this market because there seems to be a um an interesting difference of opinion. Some are going nine to two, uh some are going threes. So have a word with Kaluki and see what you can get. Uh Pied Piper is in here, so we'll go into that in more detail a little bit later on. Kilcrut, the uh Champion bumper second, 17 to 2, and uh, then a number of Gordon Elliott and William Mullins horses who are very unexposed and could be anything. And we still have the three stripe life bet alive and well. Um, he is in there uh, too. What's your overall thoughts? Having gone through the statistics and the trends, having spoken to trainers, having gone through the form lines and watched all the videos of these horses. Um, Constitution Hill has obviously been very impressive. John Bond, in his way, has been very impressive. Dysart Dynamo was unbelievable at Cork, and then again in the Moscow Flyer at Punchestown. Uh, and then you got the champion bumper winner in Sir Gerard. So what's your overall thoughts for the Supreme Novices Hurdle? I think it looks a fantastic race. Whether we get up the big four lining up, I still have my doubts. I would expect um, William Mullins to separate Dysart Dynamo and Sagir Hard personally. Um, I just think that he, he doesn't have an outstanding candidate other than one of those two in the Ballymore. He's got a lot of contenders for the Supreme. Um, and I think one of those will end up. Um, I'll obviously discuss which one, which we think that'll be as we go along. Um, obviously, Nicky Henderson um, has a good recent record in the race, which he didn't for a few years. He had several good horses beaten in the, in the Supreme, but of late, he's, um, he's got a much better record. He's got two... Um, extremely exciting novices on his hands so yeah I think the fact that there were no fans in last year I think the uh, the wait for the Supreme will be um, eagerly anticipated and the fact that it looks an, a well above average renewal I think there's a bit of depth to it as well I think I think at this stage it certainly looks a much better race than the um, than the Ballymore which is unusual the Ballymore is often the stronger of the three novice hurdles but I think this year I think it's it's safe to say that the, the strength and depth definitely lies in the Supreme with the way it's shaping up right now, it's the race of the festival. It's it's that exciting, and particularly with the atmosphere that builds up to it. Um, yeah, possibly with the exception of the, the champion chase, I'd say it's, it's definitely one of the the race of the festival. Yeah, that's a good shout. That's that's a very good shout. To be fair, um, that being said, the more I look at this race, the more I can see it just condensing down to a small field. And I agree with you that Willie Mullins will split. But I don't think, and I'm interested in your view on this, I don't think Nicky will. I think Nicky's going to let Constitution Hill and John Bond take each other on. Yeah, I think no, I think they'll definitely run. Um, I think both of them will definitely run. It's unusual that, that he steps one up in trip. I think Simon Sig was a rarity, really. I think it, normally Nicky focuses on the Supreme, um, and I don't think he sees any reason to step either of them up in trip at this stage. It would surprise me if Constitution Hill maybe went two and a half at Aintree. Um, for the mayor's in office hurdle, but um, definitely, I think, and everything he's saying suggests that both of them are going to run up. I'd, I'd be amazed if they both never run the Supreme, to be honest. Mm. Um, it was a small field for Appreciated last year, and he was also a bit of a trends buster because seven year olds didn't have the best record in the race. There was only eight runners in the Supreme Novices hurdle last year. We had the dead eight. Yeah, crazy. Um, so if you, if you got four pleasure for the scumbag each way bet or Bally Adam, uh, then well done. Um, but he is a trends buster in that the race tends to go to a five or a six-year-old, but he won it at seven. So that gives hope to the Sir Gerrard fans. What doesn't is he's jumping, in yeah. my view. 
I, I think that yeah, he needs... Gone, so the, the way I would look at this is if Willie's going to split them, I think you're right, he probably does. Um, I can see Stateman taking his chance here. Uh, Willie's not afraid to, to run multiple horses in the same race. I can see Kilcrot going for a handicap, possibly the Martin Pipe. I could see him going for the Ballymore. Um, but the way Sir Gerard... I think... Gerard, I think go well, on, I think Kilcrot definitely runs. I think Kilcrot definitely runs. I think El, El Fabiolo definitely runs in the Supreme. He's, El Fabiolo's only had two runs, so he's, he's not in the equation for handicaps anyway, because he only had one run in France. True. Um, one really impressively at Tremor. Um, on New Year's Day, the Tempo Charger 2 by 13 lengths. He's come out and won since and has raced at 127, just to give you the gauge of that form. It was slightly disappointing that we didn't get to see El Fabiolo Leopardstown, obviously, up in class. We'd have learned a lot more, but um, he's definitely one of the of the, the bigger priced horses who would interest me. Um, just thought he, he created a really good impression. His French form isn't great, but Tremor, I just like the way he went about his business. Yeah, he was due to run at the Dublin Racing Festival, but he got injured in transit, and that concerns yeah, I think me. He, he had a, I think he just had a cut or something. I don't think it was anything serious. That's okay. Um, that's the race. Yeah, I think that, it was. That's the race yeah. that Sir Gerhard won. Um, so while yeah. Sir Gerhard beat Lorna Fowler's Colonel Mustard and Gordon Elliott's Three Strap Life, um, he didn't jump very fluently, and I don't think you can win a Supreme with his jumping style. But you could win a Ballymore. So of the his main two, my mind has it that Sir Gerard is going to go Ballymore and Tyson Dynamo Supreme. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Um, at the start of the season, wouldn't have done. Um, Tyson Dynamo. I've started with him. He's he's also I loved in his bumpers last year. Um, free going, keen swords. Actually, he's slightly reminiscent of York Hill. Um, in the way he goes to his race, and he actually won the same Punches Town bumper as York Hill. That's right. Um, but but channeling him in the way he won a cork, he didn't jump particularly well, but I thought he took a massive step forward from um, cork to when winning the Moscow Flyer. And that cork, that cork race actually worked out quite well. Although the, the placed horses have beaten, they, they, have been, they have finished much closer in decent maiden hurdles since, and the fifth and sixth of both won. Flame Bear finished fifth that day's horse, I like. Um, and probably a name to note going forward for the end of the season somewhere. Um, and then he just took a massive step forward. And that, that the way he had, he had the field beaten down the back, the end of the back straight at, at Punchestown, I thought was particularly taken. Um, that was on the inside track of Punchestown as well. So it's definitely not short of pace. Um, whereas Sigurd, when you looked at his jumping on debut, was really good. I thought he was pretty much foot perfect when he made all and jumped well at. Christmas, um, but he was much less fluent at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, so it begs the question at the start of the season. I thought he would have definitely been down a supreme line, but um, I just think maybe stepping up for the Valley Mall will give him more time to, um, as you say, maybe to um, set himself right at, the, at his hurdles. Um, but I don't want the one thing that keeps bugging me is the way that Ruby Walsh keeps referring to is it, him as the ace in the pack as if he's definitely top of the pecking order um, when he speaks on the road to Cheltenham so it's definitely going to be interesting I'd be shocked if the both of them ran the Supreme um, and then we'll move on to the Ballymore shortly I think the Ballymore's a much weaker race and whichever one runs in the Ballymore I think is 
will take the world of beating out of them too, to be honest. He's saying that Willie's, uh, Willie, uh, that uh, Ruby is, sorry, let me get the uh, caffeine into me, folks. It's it's early in the morning, uh, bizarrely. <laughs> mm. Ruby's kind of implying, isn't he, that Sagerha is the ace in the pack, is what I've heard them say a few times, and that he, he, he uses ace in the pack in the Super Union to get off to a flyer. So he's kind of um, intimating that he maybe is top of the pecking order, but I've just loved Dice Art Dynamo saying, all four of us starts really, so um, yeah. I think I mean, if, if 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 I was pushed to it, I'd I'd run. There's Dice Animals, but everyone seems to think he's got more ped, more stamina in his pedigree. There's a shade more stamina in his pedigree on just on the damn side, but it's not it's not a pedigree that screams stayer. Um, he would have to obviously relax a fair bit more. Um, as I say, there's there's slight resemblances with with York Hill with him, but. Given how impressive he was rolling from the front and being allowed to bowl along in the Moscow fire, I don't know why you would want to take that out of the equation. And I think he'd just let him bowl along in a supreme personally. Um, so it's going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks to see. I'm sure we're probably not going to learn until um, the Sunday evening, uh, Sunday morning before um, Cheltenham when, when the final declarations come in. I'm sure cards will be kept close to the chest. Well, it's genuinely William Mullins bingo that we're playing right now because um, Willie won't have made his mind up either uh, and probably won't make his mind up. He'll have an idea. He'll have a pretty firm idea of what he's doing, but he's not going to firm things up until he absolutely has to declare. Um, but I would be... It's interesting that that Ruby is saying that on Roach Tottenham, and I've noticed it as well. That's a fantastic show with Lydia. But... Um, for all that Ruby is one of the best, and he's genuine. I mean, his his addition to the punditry ranks is as significant as Gary Neville's addition to the punditry ranks of, of football and Jamie Carragher on Monday Night Football. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. You know, they've changed the game. It's it's not just platitudes and you know, oh, he's kicked the ball into space. Why? Because there's meant to be a player there, you idiot, and you know that, but you're not saying it. And Gary started to explain, and then Jamie, when he came along, they would explain in detail how the game is meant to go and what's gone wrong and why it's gone wrong. Uh, and Ruby's the same. Ruby will exp- Ruby will call out a rider when he makes a mistake. He'll call out a trainer when he thinks he's run a horse in, in the wrong race. Um, but he's not always right. And... No, of course he's not, but you would think he'd have some kind of input he ride. I know he he, he spoke about riding Sir Gerhard before. I think it was before he won his maiden hurdle and he was quite um, I know he's been quite bullish about him throughout. Just going back to that, the earlier point you touched upon with the, the seven year old statistic. I think that the the certain statistics now that are coming under threat, um, with the trends evolving over the years, and I think this is it's significant when you look at we didn't used to get that many seven-year-olds in the novice hurdles. Um, mm. I think Champ and Blackhawk were a couple who were beaten who spring to mind in the Ballymore. And you didn't get that many of them. And normally if you had the seven-year-old early, the thing I would think is they've had some sort of setback early in their career that they're still in novice hurdles at that stage. But that's not the case now because you're getting these some of these point-to-point horses who are then kept in bumpers for a season. So I'll go and hurdle until the six and that's that's really why. So I think um, appreciate it was a good, good example of that again. So, yeah, so I'd be I'd be less concerned about that really. 
Um, and in terms of experience and stuff, um, three of the top four have only run twice over hurdles, which would normally be um, less than less than the norm, so to say. But I think again, we're just becoming more more accustomed to um, small field races throughout the season, and the fact we don't get to see these horses much. I think that this year as well, it was a, it was a really dry autumn, so a lot of these horses didn't get out maybe quite as early as as would have been the case. So there's definite factors to, to, to um, take into account. And as I always say with the trends, they're there to give a, give a guide, but they're not there to be to be all and end all. You know, you've got to assess the horse's chances and the, the merits of them on uh, the performances on the track as well. Yeah, I think the trends are invaluable in helping you assess, but only after you've done your overall form and you've looked at the video of how a horse travels through a race. You have to put everything in play. Everything has to come in play. You can't just rely on one thing. I think this is going to be another small field. Another entries for the race are, are 39. I think 10 runners on the day. Is that bonkers? No, I think it will cut up a fair bit, to be honest, yeah, because Willie's got that many in the, in the entries still. He's not going to run all of them. Um, he touched through a few. I know Far Out's been ruled out. Um, I think Lorna Fowler. I think uh, Colonel must have make a wait and go to entry. Uh, there's quite a few in there you could put a line through. Um, shall we have one more uh, runs, I believe, on Saturday in the Dovecot to, to put his credentials on the line? Um, my mate Mozzie, Pied Piper, he touched on um, briefly after he won the um, Triumph Trial of Finesse on trials. They did seem likely that he might be aimed at the, the Supreme with having filled over the Triumph, possibly Mighty Potter going up and trip, but then since Phil Dole was beaten the following week by Vauban, that doesn't seem likely now. And, and Gordon's pretty much said that Mighty Potter will run here. He's another one uh, he should be touched on. I think the strongly run race at suit Mighty Potter. Um, mm-hmm. His form took mixed messages behind to Gerhard, really, because the Royal Bond form was um, shot to pieces, but three-stripe life um, ran well just behind him. I'd like to see three-stripe life. We'll touch on him briefly. I'd, I'd, I'd be sending him up in trip for the Ballymore, personally. Yeah, I would too. Um, I think he's got He's got bags of stamina in his pedigree. He shapes like he would he would appreciate the longer trip. So, um, yeah, Mighty Potter. I could see him running well. Definitely think the bigger field and strong, strongly run race will suit him. Um, I think we need to touch on Nicky's too, don't we? We haven't really gone into detail with those two. Yeah. Yeah. So let's um, let's let's break them down. So these are the two horses that are they're definitely the most exciting in the UK, and they're they're very exciting in Ireland as well. So John Bond was the one that everybody was talking about at the start of the season, and then Constitution yeah. Hill emerges. He's not going to budge, and the reason for that is that Michael Buckley had a significant anti-post wager at 33-1 to 1 on this horse to win the Supreme Novices Hurdle. So he ain't going anywhere. Um, when I interviewed Nicky Henderson on this show and on TalkSport, both times he said... When I asked him about going up and trip, he said, well, John Bond could do that. John Bond would have no problem going up and trip. Um, and I wasn't disappointed with his performance at Haydock. I actually thought he showed a lot of determination and guts that day. And Nicky had made it very clear that he really needed that, that he really needed to get the run into him. Um, and I think if anything he's become a bit of value. So how do you, what's your, your overall view on Constitution Hill, who we have to say has won on good to soft and heavy at one track 
but has bolted up and looks like a freak. And John Bond, who was very short, um, but is now currently finding himself as fourth favourite. Yeah, uh, Constitution Hill, um, his first performance at Sandbank, I thought was pretty breathtaking, to be honest. He travels and jumps. I know a lot, of being, a lot has been made of his um, mental constitution, the fact that he seems to take everything in his stride pre-race and during the race itself. Um, travels, jumps. Didn't seem, I, I could understand why he only had the two runs. He didn't see him um, to, need an, to necessarily need to run again. Um, for any sort of experience, he looks he looks quite professional for a horse of such limited experience. To be honest, um, I love the way he powered up the hill at Sandown on Debbie. You don't you don't often see a horse coming up the hill there like that. To be honest, um, obviously it was much more testing ground um, when he won the Tolworth at the start of January. Um, again, I wouldn't. Wouldn't be totally sold how strong that form is. Um, Jits, Jits well, was well garbage. beaten in the. That was he was well beaten in the Beth. Uh, Mister Glass was beaten a similar distance in a handicap last weekend off yep. um, a marker one twenty seven by sizable Sam. But obviously, Paul's horses, some of them are firing on all cylinders at the moment. But still, um, I'd like to have seen him perform a little bit better. I've already touched on briefly. Shall we have one more? He finished fourth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know he's come out once since in a week race and again we'll get to see really how good he is on Saturday in the t- Dovecast but he had no chance whatsoever of getting home and at all worth given how keen he was um, in that ground so uh, you'd have a slight question about the form um, you do always have to have a tread slightly cautiously with Sandown form I think on deep ground so I think it's a positive that the ground was a bit better when he won in December at the, you know, on Single Creek Day, although I still think it was slightly softer than the official going would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking through Constitution Hill's pedigree is is Dan, um, Queen of the Stage. She was she was quite useful for uh, Nick Williams back in the day, and, and her best form came on soft and heavy. So if it was to dry out appreciably, maybe I'd say that was a slight unknown. Um, Obviously, his point is now a defeat and a point to point game on yielding ground. Um, so, you might be picking and obviously the water on the first day. So, I don't, don't think it'd be a big issue. Um, yeah, there's not, not much not to like about Constitution Hill, really, except the fact that he's, he's trading around two to one in what looks to be a very, very strong renewal of the race. So, um, he's obviously going to face much staying a test here, but just on the face of what he's done. Um, so yeah, it doesn't there's not a lot not to like about him, but it's just just a price thing, really. When you you consider he's taken on some equally exciting rivals. Um, as for John Bond, uh, his form's probably got even though he's, he's rated three pound below. Um, constitutionally, he's one four five as opposed to one four eight according to the official BHA handicap ratings. Um, I'd say his form might have a little bit more depth to it. Obviously, good risk at all. Who he beat in his maiden hurdle. Um, came out and finally came good at the weekend uh, off 127 and a handicap at Ascot appreciating the soft ground on a longer trip um, his Ascot kennel gate form has worked out well um, in that kennel must the second has run well since albeit beaten much further by Sigurhard um, at the Dublin Race Festival although you, the Ascot race was running at an absolutely farcical pace whereas Sigurhard set a good gallop throughout so I wouldn't you can't take a, a literal 
reading of the difference the difference between the uh, winner margins wouldn't think LA Bells obviously won the listed race recently won the um, Sydney Banks I like to move it he was penalised in that Ascot race and finished fifth of five um, he went close in the best fair so again there's a little bit more depth to it. John Bond's form I was at Haydock when he won um, the Rossington main and actually on course I was I was slightly disappointed to be honest I was slightly underwhelmed by the performance I, I was expecting him I thought the sharp track at Haydock wouldn't be an issue to him given how he just showed a good turn of foot to, to win off no sort of pace at Ascot um, but he was but I haven't got home and uh, watched it again a few times and watched it again a few times since I was actually more impressed in hindsight than I was actually initially at the time. Um, he was caught wide, which isn't good on the, the hurdles track of Haydock because it's very, very sharp on the inside track. Uh, the ground was softer than it had been for his previous um, victories and he did pick up well um, from after the final hurdle when Aidan Coleman shook him up. So again, people are using my tie as a, um, a barometer between John Bond and Constitution Hill. He was obviously beaten much further by Constitution Hill on his debut at Sandown, but he was John Bond was conceding um, five pounds to him that day on much softer ground and obviously a completely different track. So again, you can't be um, too dogmatic about that. I think a more strong people are saying a more strongly run race will suit John Bond. I can see it helping in terms of him settling maybe, but I think his two best performances or the, the two best elements of of his performances have been when he's been allowed to stride on at Newbury and Ascot. So I wouldn't really be looking to restrain him. I'd be thinking he should be racing pretty prominently. Uh, and then you've got to think then of the other the other horse in the race that likes to dice out Dynamo is going to go forward. Um, Kilcroft's probably going to be ridden from the front. If El Fabiolo turns up, he, like I think he will. He, he, he might necessarily need to go forward, but he did when winning a Tremor. That might just be in the fact that he was a better horse than the opposition. Um, so the race might actually set up for constitutional if he can drop in. Um, so it's a, obviously it's a it's 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 not an easy race to assess and and, and be too conclusive about. I don't think at this stage. I think I think you, I don't think you'll find many um, many people would have a real real strong opinion that one of these horses is is so, so far superior to the other three. Maybe yeah. The thing is that any of these horses could win. Like it wouldn't be beyond the runs of possibility that Kilcrut wins if he lines up. Um, although exactly, I... yeah, he's only got he's only got half a length to find on the, the bumper phone. Really, he probably should have won the champion he bumper last year. Won. Um, he, the race right. was just dictated by Sigurdard, and that's why I thought at the time he looked the pace. He looked the pace of the two horses. Um, so it, it's it's interesting the way things have turned out. But I think Willie preseason did say. I think that Kilcrut, what the intention was, he'd be down there. Obviously, before he disappointed and was beaten twice, that he would be down a supreme race and Sir Gerhard would be more the Ballymore horse. So, again, that still sticks in the back of my mind that Willie said that pre-season for Sir Gerhard. I still think possibly that he'll be the one to go up and trip. Mm. As, his, um, as the horse he conquered at the DRF before finishing second, let's be clear about it. Uh, Rachel Blackmore won the champion bumper. She just dictated it perfectly on Sir Gerhard. And to be fair, David Mullins was on the podcast last year saying that Patrick was raving about Kilcrut and wouldn't let anybody else ride him. And then the 
Gordon Elliott issue happened and the Chivley Park horses were split between Willie and Henry and Danny Mullins came on the show. And by the way, Danny will be on the show. We're recording this week and we'll be releasing it over the weekend. Cheltenham Festival preview with Tote and Danny Mullins. Um, so that should be a bit of fun. Some more Cheltenham content coming your way. Uh, this time with Tote, uh, our good friends. And... Um, he said once Sir Gerard came into the yard, Patrick went, whoa, whoa. Um, and, and it became a little bit more tricky. Now, obviously, he couldn't ride because no amateurs were allowed to ride due to Rona. Um, but Paul Townend was on board and Rachel just gave Sir Gerhard a, a magnificent ride. And Patrick then chose Sir Gerhard to punch the town. And what happened? Derek O'Connor. Ends up winning on Kilcrot quite quite comfortably uh, with O'Toole back in second and, and Sir Gerhard behind them. Um, if I you, just wonder if 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 he had if Kilcrot had some sort of issue in the early part of the season, maybe with his. Um, I, I think Largy debut looked a good horse when he when he beat him at the time, and I had looked a good horse in his points points on his bumper. Obviously, subsequently disappointed. Then he he looked a non-stayer at Leopardstown over two and a half from behind Journey with me. Um, over Christmas coming back in trip he, had, he wore a tongue tie on better ground again on the inside track of punches but he was just allowed to bowl along um, maybe maybe there's some sort of breathing thing there because the fact that the tongue tie was applied last time but um, say strictly on ball perform there's, there's not a lot between them he mm. probably should have beaten Sagar or the Ch- uh, Cheltenham and then he did beat him a punch time as you say so um, it's interesting Kaluki, can we get prices on where Willie Mullins is going to send his horses? That'll be an interesting one. Kaluki <laughs> playing Willie Mullins bingo. Um, Stateman's intriguing. Uh, and I think this is the race he'll go for. Um, and I think, I, I know he's been cut from 33s, but I think he might go in underestimated. Um, and we'll just briefly touch on Pied Piper from the perspective of why are we not discussing the Triumph Hurdle? On this edition of the show, oh, well, technically it's not a novice hurdle; it's just a championship race for four-year-olds. Um, there was a couple, I think, Colixios and Monmorali with the top four-year-olds last year. They wouldn't have been eligible for novice races, having won the previous spring in France. So um, that was we decided to not include it in the, the novice hurdle show. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I was at Cheltenham on trials day, and the. the post-race talk from um, Gordon was that he would definitely be considered Pied Piper for the Supreme, but I think um, subsequent events, Vauban beating Philidor, probably sitting down and assessing it properly with the owners and things yeah. and not wanting to step Mighty Potter up and trip. It can make sense for them. They've never had a winner at the festival before. Go to, to, with two strong chances in the uh, triumph wouldn't you really, rather than um, taking on what looks a much deeper field. Yeah. The Supreme. Although if 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 if, if for some reason Pied Piper did turn up, um, definitely have to be respected. 
getting oh, the allowance. Oh, for, sh- oh, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. The four-year-old allowance. He was pretty impressive, wasn't he? In the uh, yeah, in the finesse, and I think the sharper track on the old course wouldn't pose him any problems. So, yeah, he'd be respected. But at this stage, I think he's a very doubtful runner, person. Yeah, I thought Dennis O'Regan's comments on the DRF preview were very interesting about him. That he didn't really buy the form. He thought that, yeah. He was like, it was. Which the Cheltenham form? Yeah, he, he was like, I, I don't really. Yeah, in Miami, but he's, he's put. You don't need to buy into that form. You can buy into the Volban form, though, can't you? So, True. <laughs> True. From enough, the previous race. So yeah, yeah, the Volban form. But you just wonder how much Volban has taken a leap forward. Um, and uh, and what it's meant I'd like. say both of them would. We're now ending up talking about the Triumph, aren't we? But we I'm are. Sure both of them took it. Right. Took a big um, step forward. So, Which, by the way, there's no respect for Night Salute, who preps at the weekend. But I did just notice uh, as I was as I was um, listening intently and multitasking because we can do that. Uh, that John Joe Neal has a listed winner from the flat in France, who cost 170,000 who could make his debut in the Adonis for J.P. McManus. And finally, we'll see Pleasant Man, hopefully, for Paul Nichols. The problem is the Paul Nichols yard continues to be rank in form. Absolutely atrocious. Um, but Pleasant Man is a horse I'm very intrigued by. But I'd be more intrigued by a listed winner and and then a horse who was subsequently placed in group and listed company as well, running for J.P. Um, so he's... They're in there, uh, taking on Night Salute. So that's the Adonis will will give us a, a clearer picture of the Triumph Hurdle. Um, overall, who is your selection for the Supreme? Um, say if he goes there, probably at this stage leaning towards Dice Art Dino. So am I, with a note of a strong note of respect for John Bond, and. Um, yeah, we're yeah, I've got plenty of respect for plenty at the top of the market. As I say, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a race I'd be getting heavily involved in because because of I've got a lot of respect for for several other horses at the top of the bend. So, um, but I'd probably Dice Art Dynamo is the one who, who's really created just with his Moscow Flyer performance. I thought it was pretty breathtaking. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the smaller Const- field as well is going to benefit him that he'll just bowl along and. You consider the fact that that race has been won by Min, Dovan, um, Vitor. Yeah, I think that. Top- yeah, again, it's tough even using those those not trial races because they're good races in their own right. Obviously, the the Moscow flood, the route that Willie takes, you can't even use that to, to determine really where they'll go. As you say, you just touched on those previous um, three winners of the Moscow Flyer and the race that. Um, is now the Tattersall's Island. It was once the Deloitte over 2-2, then it was reduced to mm. two miles of the Dublin Race Festival and became the Chanel Farmer. Um, the likes of Willie's won that like was it nine times over the past 10 years. Champagne Fever, Vitor. Nichols Canyon did win that before stepping up and trip to run in the, the Valley Mall. That was a mistake. Um, yeah, classical Dream. Um, appreciate appreciate it. it. Steering yeah. for lunch. Yeah, obviously Sancro was the was the only non Mullins winner in that past decade, and he stepped up to win the um, the Ballymore. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to use a pattern of what we say mo- normally Willie would run 
the winner of either of those races in the Supreme. So, but I just think he will want to split them up to ensure he has the best possible chance in both races, personally. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and this year, uh, that would be Sir Gerard. But I think we're both of the same mindset that Sir Gerard goes up and trip. Oh, look, it's the same horses. Uh, Sir Gerard with Kaluki is six to four for the Ballymore. So they've laid down the gauntlet and have gone right. Well, we think he's going here. Dicer Dynamo for Willie is twos. Constitution Hill is five to two. These names are all very familiar. John Bond fours. Uh, Journey with me fours. Jinto. Go on, Jinto. Fives. Uh, Manella Cocooner, who won at the DRF. Uh, sixes. Stage Star. Does he even run? And winners of the Chalo have never won at the Cheltenham Festival uh, in the same season. Sixes. And Walking on Air, who, when I interviewed Nicky Henderson a few weeks ago, was due to have his second start. He hasn't had it yet, uh, which is no. a bit of a concern. He's not entered. And we saw the beast. He was, he was entered to run a Doncaster tomorrow, but then he said at the week, he entered them and then and the, next, the next breath said he's not going to run, he's going to go straight to Cheltenham. So, um, it's a little bit strange, to, I think. Straight to Cheltenham. When he specifically said, I want to get another run into him before going to Cheltenham. Yeah, that kind of suggests to me that he's had some sort of hold-up since his win. There's no way he would... I would think that you'd be running him on the back of one run unless you really had to. I thought he'd have gone for the Sydney Banks and he never got an entry. Yeah. Um, and then Dennis said he got, the, got his entry at Doncaster for this week but then didn't get declared. So um, I actually think... I thought he was pretty impressive, to be honest. And his pedigree suggests that you love going up and trip. He's obviously out of refinement by walking the park. So mm. Um, really good pedigree I think Nicky's openly said that he was shocked that he was beaten in a bumper last spring which I mean, he was actually beaten by Shall We Have One More who we've touched upon a couple of times and runs on Saturday um, he didn't come out till January when he bolted up um, in a two mile novice hurdle at Newbury and I, lo- I love the way he done it from after two hours I just thought he was really strong I said that pedigree suggested going up and trip everything about him screams going up that extra half mile will suit but Arriving at Cheltenham on the back of one run, and purely on on, and I know the second came out and won, but he was then well beaten um, on his next start. Um, the form doesn't really amount to much, and literally for what he's achieved, I think he's pretty short around seven to one when you compare some of the other horses who are in and around him in the market. Yeah, you also experience of either winning or running very well in a graded race is massively important in this race. You know where I got that from? The excellent Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, written by the superb Paul Ferguson. Uh, and six-year-olds are on a bit of a roll when it comes to this race as well. So, uh, And he's only five, but I, I'm surprised that that's the case, particularly just the way he was talking. Uh, Hillcrest is in here, but we'll talk about him later on because he's almost certainly going for yeah. the potato race. And, of course, Three-Stripe Life, who we mentioned. Right, what is your current thinking... Um, on this race. Obviously, we've mentioned a few of these horses already, so who do you really like for the Ballymore? My current thinking is whoever switches <laughs> from <laughs> the Supreme Sagerhard or Dice Animal will just have too much pace for these, because a lot of them, I think, are much slower horses, so we'll go through the ones that we haven't touched upon, obviously, who are towards the head of the bet, and Jenny with me and Jinto, should we start with those two? Yes, please. Um, Jenny with me, um, obviously there's been plenty of, we've seen plenty of comparisons made between him and Bob Ollinger because he carries the same colours uh, worn the same 
point-to-point bumper um, back in March when he was really impressive. It was a weak race on deep, deep ground, but some good horses have won that in the past. Um, I think first lieutenant won it going back 2010-2011 time. York Hill more recently um, won that, and obviously Bob Ollinger won it in 2020. Um, I thought he was he was impressive when he won over Christmas, and that form has worked out really well. Manella Kruner, who is currently favourite for the Albert Barlet, and we'll talk about um, shortly. He finished second, came out and won subsequently and run well at the Dublin Race Festival. Phil Crutt third, obviously came out and won since. Um, Falcon 8, who finished fifth, was a maiden hurdle winner earlier this month as well for Dermot Weld. So that was a rock-solid piece of form. Um, he then missed the Dublin Racing Festival, the, the Open Race, the Nathaniel Lacey over two miles six, and instead went to Nice um, for an auction novice hurdle, which was won uh, a couple of years ago by City Island before he won the um, the Ballymore. And yeah, he got the job done at short odds, and he was conceding weight to the uh, mayor who finished second choice of I, I was again, I was slightly underwhelmed by the performance. I must admit, yeah. um, and the lack of pace was offered as an excuse that he wasn't comfortable and Rachel decided to take up the running with a circuit to run. He jumped, he jumped really well. He, to me, just just gives me the impression that he, he looks a three-mile chaser for next year. And whilst I can see him running really well, whether he's got the pace to win the Ballymore, I, I just don't. For all, he was so short in the bet and he just didn't really blow me away at Nice. Um, and I would think that in a year's time we might be speaking about him as a leading contender for the Brown Advisory and the three-mile novice chase. I just think I'd be leaning towards, if I was looking to really win one of the races at Cheltenham, I'd be looking towards the Albert Barlow, but I can see maybe keeping him to the intermediate trip until they unleash him over fences next year and then stepping up is probably a, it's not, it's not a bad move and um, maybe he'll just get outpaced by something at the, at the business end, a bit like Brave Man's game maybe last year. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it is very much a symptom of people are just remembering Bob Ollinger and they're thinking of yeah, trainer, silks, jockey. And yeah, he definitely hasn't got, he definitely doesn't have to look to have the same blister and turn of foot. No. He looks more of a galloper to me. Um, so I say take nothing away from him. I like the horse a lot. Um, but I just think maybe. Yeah, I like him more as a long-term prospect though, like yourself. Yeah, I do. Maybe, maybe like, Say in a year's time, he'll be one of the leading contenders for the Brown Advisory. So, what about Jinto? I would say Jinto's not too dissimilar in in truth, to be fair. Um, what I would say about him is for anyone who likes the trends, he's the one. If Sagerhard turns up here, he also matches them. But there's a key trend in that. Um, I think it's, I haven't actually got, the, believe it or not, I haven't actually got the book in front of me or the pages, but <laughs> uh, several of them. Well, it's not not been printed yeah I've only got the, the rough pages on still on my iPad and we're talking on that now so um, but horses who have won a bumper won a point to point won a bumper and won a graded novice hurdle win all all three of them have a fantastic record in recent years um, and often there's only one or two of them in the lineup um, and again if Sagerha doesn't line up probably Jinto is the only one who will tick all the boxes in that respect um, having won the Lawlers and Ace last time again. Um, pattern followers and things will look to the fact that Envoy Allen and Bob Ollinger won that race, and then both in the past two years went on to win the Ballymore. Um, he, whether he's deceptively quick, this horse, I don't know. He, he, he again gives me the impression that the best we won't see the best of him until he goes over three miles and over fences next season. Again, I'd be I'd be more inclined to 
to be looking if I was the if I was Nolan Valley more and I'd be look I'd be personally looking towards the Albert Bartlow with Jinto. Oh. Um, but he's he's obviously he's got say he's got the right profile for the race. He does all his work best late on in his races. I thought his I thought a slightly better performance was the grade his grade two win at Navan, where he was really strong in, in the finish to beat Eric Bloodaxe yeah. by eleven lengths. He came out and won well in a great race over Christmas at Limerick. Obviously disappointed since, but it was probably too bad to be true. Um, oh, that was a that was a brutal effort. That couldn't have been true. It was, yeah. Um, and then in behind, we had the likes of um, Mr. Fred Rogers and the Little Yank, who gives again give that form. I think that's a pretty strong piece of form. Um, the Nice race on the other hand, Hollow Games, um, possibly didn't really enhance it to a great extent. In that Nathaniel Lacey at the Dublin Race Festival, who finished third, but um, yeah, just I don't think that was as deep a race as it has been in in previous years. And again, it just looks like he's a stay. I think if we we had a real wet Cheltenham, it would suit him. I think deep ground will give him a much stronger chance. Where his journey with me um, has proven himself on. I think that strong maiden hurdle former journey with me was on the best ground he's encountered. Um, I think that might be something I think he could improve for better groundies by Marler and that's something that um, Jess Stafford focuses on that's the main side she looks at and this year's breeding angles and I know she's of the opinion that um, a lot of Marlers prefer a better ground and Journey with Me's form might suggest that as well so in contrast to that Jinto would be one who will be suited if we've got a real soft heavy ground festival which um, the way the weather is you wouldn't you wouldn't know at this stage over here um, but if if we get the the standard um, ground that we're accustomed to at Cheltenham. Again, I just wonder if he, he'll have the tactical pace um, for something like Sagerhard or, or Dysart Dynamo if one of them be here. The only thing I'd say in his favour, because I, I absolutely love this horse, is that that performance at Nace last time out, he jumped so fluently. Um, yeah, he does jump well. He does jump. Well. Both horses jump well, but Jenny with me looks like a chaser the way he makes his shape. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I, um, I think and I Jin, think, does jump well. Yeah, I think Journey with me is a potato race horse, uh, and I think he's a chaser in the making. I also think that Jinto's a chaser in the making because Gordon has said it. Like he said that look, this horse's future lies over fences, but that doesn't mean that yeah. he can't win uh, a Ballymore in the process. Plenty of horses. No, have, I think it's have done that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's significant. I'll. Clearly, how highly Gordon regards him as well, because yeah, um, he isn't really and, one. And to, Jamie Card as well, yeah, and Jamie. Like when I interviewed Jamie for Jumpers to Follow this year, I, I wasn't totally sold on um, Jim some of his bumpers last year. But in, in hindsight, now again looking back, um, if you look back at his Navin win, the horse he beat that day was Chantreuse, who of course won a Grade Three last week. So mm-hmm. um, his form does his form does add up. Um, it's just the, the manner of his victory, but he's just not—he's not a particularly flashy individual. He only ever seems to to do enough, maybe. Um, but say when I interviewed Jamie back in the summer or early autumn, maybe he, he was like he'll be a different horse when you put an obstacle in front of him, extra half mile, soft ground, um, and he hasn't say he hasn't done much wrong at all. I just just fear that if if, if it was decent decent ground again. Whether you you would have the natural pace um, or the tactical pace to to win the Ballymore, so often you do need that turn of foot in this race. So, you see, I just think um, he's gonna he's gonna bowl along in front and be 
very, very difficult to pass. Like whoever passes them wins. And the thing that, yeah, that. The, the thing that then intrigues me about them is if you look at the race, there is a an interesting non-runner no bet play that you could do here. And maybe we can turn this into a patent. Um, but you could very easily back Dicer Dynamo and Sir Gerard in a double. Non-runner no bet. Supreme Ballymore. And if they go the yeah. other way, well, you get your money back. Um, if they both line up, they'll both be shorter prices than they are. But I think that I genuinely... Off. I, I think I think whatever Willie runs in the Supreme will probably end up going off favours. Definitely. And whatever runner you would definitely go off favours. Definitely. Um, so you're, it's a no-lose situation. Except, of course, if the horse gets du- gets duffed. But one, I think yeah, one wins and one gets beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I I do think that Jinto is is a horse that will be hard to catch from the front. I think he's going to be difficult to reel in. The problem is Manila Kakuner is pr- more than likely going to line up here as well. Um, now, may maybe maybe he will go. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd definitely run Manila Kakuner here personally. I think he he's free going. Um, I think Manila. Kruna would reverse the form over three miles. Yeah, we'll say 100%. we'll talk about that shortly. But Willie has been kind of saying that he was leaning towards the the Albert Parler with him. His pedigree suggests that he should be a steady. He's by Flemings fifth out of an old Vic mare, so he's he's all about stamina and a proper national home pedigree. But just the way he goes about his, his races, and he's quite exuberant. He wore the, the hood for the first time, obviously at Leopardstown. Um, he doesn't look short a pace to me. I, I would. I would have thought Kakuna would have would have gone in the battle more personally, but um, again, time will tell. Mm. Um, uh, what about the the British hopes? So, uh, so we've got right. we've already discussed John Bond and Constitution Hill. Um, we both yeah. we're both in agreement that we think they're they're going to land up there. Uh, we briefly touched on, on walking on air. Um, we'll leave Hillcrest for now. Stage star. Yeah, he'd be. He'd be probably the best of the best of the English so far. I think he definitely runs. Now there was talk that he was going to wait for Aintree, but after he was a non-runner at uh, Exeter last weekend due to soft ground, um, I think that the idea is now to go straight for the Ballymore. Obviously, he's got to overcome the um, the shocking statistic of shallow winners, which now stands following the defeat last year of Barry Man's game at North from 18. Um, he seems pretty versatile in terms of ground. He hasn't done much wrong, to be honest, but currently rated 143. Is he quite good enough to beat the Irish? Ah, I can see where Paul would lean him from, to be honest. I, if he'd have gone to Aintree for the Mayors, you know, obviously he'd probably be a um, favourite or thereabouts with one maybe who's run well in the Supreme. We often see, um, we've seen Nicky's in the past be beaten in the Supreme and then step up, Spirit Sun would be an example there. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see him running well, but um, quite whether he's got the he's got the class to win um, and beat the Irish here, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have a bit of a doubt. I think the I think overall in the Novice Hurdle division, I think the Irish form looks stronger than the English. Okay, um, does three stripe life then basically having briefly touched on him? Yeah, like, this is more his bag for you. Yeah, I just think he's. Um, I think he's been running well over what. In a, in time, we'll probably look back and say, "God, that was an inadequate trip." He's finished. He was beaten just behind Mighty Potter um, in the Future Champions over Christmas uh, Christmas time. 
Um, I thought both horses came out of that with credit, to be honest. And then again, he ran really well. He was the only one that could that could live with Sagir Hard really in the closing stages. He pulled clear, six lengths clear of Ken almost a, a ridiculous gap back to the likes of Miami and Mozzie and Far Out. But um say his pedigree just screams that he, he wants a longer trip. His bumper win when he when he won the ground is virtually unraceable and having that day. So even at that stage, I thought he looked a stayer. And when he finished, he finished fourth, obviously, in the champion bumper. Um, again, I thought everything he'd done last year and, and the pe- aligned with the pedigree would suggest that he'd be running over at least two and a half. So I'm surprised that he hasn't gone up and trip by now. But um, record of horses going up, stepping up and trip, which would be a good sign for him and Sir Gerhard. Horses who've run over two miles or two mile two on their previous start do have a decent record in the Ballymore. Again, people say about stamina, but it does on that old course. Um, you do need that tactical pace and the, the burst of speed at the end of this race often. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in him. I think he's around 12, 14 to 1. I think for those around that price, he's, he's definitely interesting and probably more interesting than some of them who are above him, certainly the likes of Stage Star and walking on air. Mm, intriguing. Okay, so you're looking at a 14 to 1 shot there. Uh, anything else that we should mention before we move on? Um, Sam Thomas had a couple of good winners ask after the weekend. Sky Tastic, of course, I like. Um, I think I like to flag them up pre season, of course. You did. And to follow, I don't think he's he's ready for a race of this this nature, to be honest. Um, he was handed an opening mark of 134 this morning by the BHA. Um, I think that the plan is with him to, to miss Cheltenham and go to Aintree. Um, good risk at all. Who carries the same colours? We touched upon him briefly, and uh, when looking at the Supreme, obviously he was beaten um, by John Bond on his debut at Newby. He was, he was a pretty smart bumper performer last year. He beat. He won a. He won two listed races. He beat. I like to move it um, in a listed race at Newbury um, last February. Obviously, I like to move it was returned on the same card to finish second, as we already touched upon in the um, FA hurdle recently. Good risk at all. Didn't jump well at all on Debbie Chepso and wasn't great behind John Bond at Newbury. Um, probably wasn't given the best ride when he was beaten on his handicap Debbie at Warwick, but he put it all together on Saturday at Ascot. Um, that was two, three and a half on soft ground, um, but he was racing off the market just 127 that day. He's been put up £10 today, so he's still only raised 137 so With that in mind, I would think he would have been given handicap entries this morning and possibly the Coral Cup and the um, on pipe, he'd still need to jump a bit better as well because even on Saturday, Ask, wasn't it? Even though he was better overall in the first half of the race, he was he was pretty sticky, and then he he really improved once Charlie Deutsch asked him to move up. I think four flights from home, so he might actually be also you you could improve for being ridden a little bit more prominently. I would have thought, but um, whether he'd be up to this level, I would have thought he'd be more inclined to go down the handicap route. Mm. Where would you go? Be able to go with him. Um, I'd enter him in the handicaps and have a think about it, but he, he would need to hurdle more fluently. It's definitely, he was definitely well handicapped on his bumper form on Saturday. I say he put it together by Ascot standards. I didn't think that was a great race, to be honest. So, um, no disrespect to those who were in behind. I didn't think it was the strongest piece of form. So, I think he'd need to take another significant step forward if he was to make an impact in any of the races at Cheltenham, to be honest. County, Coral. Yeah, I wouldn't be coming back in trip, so I'd, I'd be saying either Martin Pike or probably the Coral Cup. Okay. Um, so that's overall selection then. 
for the Ballymore. I think we're both going to be in agreement here. Yeah, I think, as I've said a couple of times, whoever gets rerouted there, I think Sagir Hard or Dice Dynamo, I think this is much more a winnable race for them. I think they'd have too much pace for the opposition. Yeah. The way I see it, Dice Dynamo goes in the Supreme, Sagir Hard reroutes and wins the Ballymore. Um, but I, I would give a I would give a real positive mention of a three-stripe life if Gordon decides to step him up and trip. Okay. And uh, I would give a very, very positive mention to Jinto. I think he's the big danger. But yeah, I think it's Dice Dynamo for the Supreme. Answer Gerard for the Ballymore. This brings us to the potato race, as we call it on the Final Furlong podcast, because Albert Bartlett make crisps. Um, so the spot race, uh, Hillcrest was devastatingly impressive. Look, he was very unlucky at Cheltenham against North Lodge, who he unseated at the third, and he was travelling well at the time, but any horse is travelling well, basically, at, at that stage of the race. Uh, way too early to know what would have happened. He'd been very good at the track though previously and going to Haydock he's well backed and uh ends up winning by by eight lengths um I think he deserves his position as favorite where currently with Kaluki you're looking at seven to two four to one around with that price um about Hillcrest you might if you ask really nicely you might get fives you might. Uh, Manila Kruner, who was second to Manila Kakuner, uh, heads the betting at around about fours. Um, Manila Kakuner is in here as well. We've talked about him. Hollow Games would be far more likely to go for this race or a handicap. Twelves. Uh, the nice guy, he can only go here, really. And it's intriguing that they've decided, well, he can't run the champion bumper due to his age. So they've decided, let's go hurdling. Uh, he's finds themselves finds themselves as a twelve to one shot. And then there's the horse that you mentioned who was very, very impressive. Um Chantreuse. So this horse ran for uh the curling team and uh has subsequently been picked up privately by Henry de Bromhead, finished second to Mr. Fred Rogers in uh, in a maiden under Rachel and then has just got rolling. He won by seventeen lengths and won by five lengths at Clamel last week and, and looks a player. Uh, how do you view the potato race overall? And we need to read the book in order to get the actual trends, but any hints for us to help us out in terms of wants to avoid and wants to be with? Uh, yeah, in, t- in terms of the trends, this was always a race that suited the horses with plenty of experience until, recent, until recently. Um, but I think I was talking about this earlier with Nick Look actually and um I think trends are evolving with different things. I think that the Alba Bartlett's a good example in I think the race is a much better race now than it was maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago when it was certainly when its infancy in the earlier days when experience was really coming before you do get a better horse um coming through through the ranks now. Um so again, that's just another example of the fact that you can't just hang your hat on these statistics and trends you do have to um, read a bit more and dig a bit deeper into them and things which we try and do in the book um, as for the top of the market the top of the market strong I think the top two are good horses and will be well suited by the makeup of the race um, we start with Manila Kruner touched upon him a couple of times in passing um, he obviously 
Won a couple of early season bumpers. We switched to hurdles and he ran really well when he split your journey with me over Christmas. Ankil Crutz stayed on well that day. Um, then he stepped up to three miles. In what looked at the time, it did look, looked a pretty um, weak maiden hurdle, to be fair, but um, stayed on really well. He's all got a course called Ivan by 11 lengths. He actually then came out and finished much closer behind Chantreuse last week in that one Melbourne three. So um, there was a little bit of substance in the form. And I think he, he obviously caught a lot of people's attention um, when he was a slightly unlucky second, beaten by the best part of three lengths. But I think he lost a lot of ground with an error two out and was staying on hand over first. He passed hollow games into third um, and finished on the back of Manila Kakuna. Um, sorry, I have to watch the uh, <laughs> yeah. pronunciations and stuff. It was a nightmare. That was that was that took some editing in the book <laughs> when referring to that race back and forwards to make sure it was put in properly. Um, but yeah, I think Manila Kruner, who we're actually talking about, he does look the more he looks an out and out stayer. Um, the one thing, I, the one negative I'd have with him is his hurdling technique. He doesn't look, he hasn't looked great enough on all starts. To be honest, he's, he's just not particularly quick over his hurdles. Um, but he'll probably get away with that. The, the um, configuration of the new course will suit him in that in that regard because there's only two flights in the past, in the last seven furlongs of the race. So, um, and then there's a there's a long that long run from two out to the last. I think will really suit him. I think he'll pick up plenty of momentum. Um, he seen again. He seems versatile in terms of ground. Love the trip. I think the race will be run to suit. I think he he's yeah. I think he does a lot to like about him. Yeah. So, what about Hillcrest then? How impressed with him were you? Very, yeah, on Saturday. Definitely. Mm-hmm. He's, he's also, he, he, physically, he's, he's got a lot about him. Like I've seen these run five times this year. I've been on track with four of them. Um, and he's just made masses of, massive progress, to be honest. He won an entry early in the season. In a race that hasn't worked out too badly, the second and third have won races since, as has the fifth. And six, to be honest, actually, looking back at it. Um, but he only just got home that day, but he's just made steady, steady progress since he followed up at Weatherby. Um, and then, as you say, on New Year's Day, he looked like Iron Maximus. You're probably going to take his chance in the um, Ballymore. We didn't touch upon him. Um, loomed up looking like he was he was all over, going to have too much pace for him. Um, this is on a new course, the same new course, the Albert Bartlett, so which an extended two and a half miles. But um, he just brushed him aside from after the final flight and it was like a, a man against the bully when you see the size of the, the horses against each other it was incredible really I was I was stood up above it and um and it was it was a brilliant view of him he just didn't have length and up the hill and at that stage he, he looked like a horse who threatened to be even better one stepped up and trip um I know they were toying with the idea then of going up and trip for the river Don but he instead re- returned to Cheltenham on trials day um, for the classic novice hurdle, which has been a good guard to this in the past. He was heavily backed, um, but obviously we didn't get to see much of him because he, he was forced to unseat of the third. And when Harper's Brook fell in front of him, leaving Richard Patrick with not much chance, but that did mean then that he was he was given another chance um, to run and the chance to prove his stamina with an extended three miles of Haydock on Saturday. Um, and on the face of it, he beats, he beats a 124 horse by eight lengths, so conceding five pounds so you, you wouldn't but it was just the manner of his victory he went at it really hard down the back straight with Green Book who was a second favourite and he was a spent force by the by, after the final flight down the back straight the fact he was able to go that gallop throughout 
um, and maintain it all the way to the line. I did think coming up the straight he might fall in a bit of a hole here, but there was none of it. Like he just kept galloping and galloping all the way to the line. Um, and the horse who was 49 lengths back in third, there's a horse called Sippy on train by Tom Lacey. He didn't seem to, I don't know whether he, he totally ran to form. He looked like he was struggling down the back straight, whether he was struggling to go to gallop, I don't know. But he'd earlier finished third, beating just over four lengths by Staghorn in a Leamington novice hurdle at Warwick, which is a grade two. Um, and if you go back far enough through his form, you will see that he was just two and a half lengths off Manila Karuna in his point to point. So <laughs> if you're using him as a strict guide, then um, Hillcrest has got a fair bit in hand on Manila Karuna, but obviously you can't take that literally, but it is something to um, just have a look at. Hillcrest himself, I didn't think jumped particularly well on Saturday. Um, and seems to be seems to be getting hassled up up front early on by Greenbrook, and whether that was uh, distracting him, but he still looks, given, despite him being a seven year old and a big baby, still he, and a huge horse, he still looks a bit of a green baby to me. But um, yeah, I think he's a lovely individual. Already can't wait to see him jump fence next year. I think he deserves to be prominent in the bet, and I'm slightly surprised that he's a, he's as short as he is now. I think he was around. It's, around sevens after the race and on Saturday evening. He's obviously tightened up again through the week. The one thing that I just have in the back of my mind is that although he didn't see him, he seemed to win really well. Um, might have just had a hard race there on Saturday on heavy ground. Um, and whether that has a determinant factor in where Henry Daly and uh, Mick Meager decide to go. Uh, it could, it might just, might just factor in that they might give him a little bit longer and maybe wait for the Sefton. Um, but if you look at, the, if you look at the markets and how this race is going to cut up, um, I think it'd be, it'll be difficult for them to um, avoid the temptation of running in the Albert Barler personally. Yeah, everybody wants a Cheltenham winner, and there's a lot of fifty to one and triple figure price horses making up this field right now that are, are going to come out or maybe will run on the day. Um, and I'm not oblivious to the fact that Manila Indo won this race at 50s. Uh, but again, it's it's a race that's going to cut up. And um, Yeah, I think it's going to cut up. He, he, was, he was put up incidentally £9 by the, uh, the handicapper this morning to a mark of 148 now. So he's, um, he, sets a, he sets a fair standard to be fair. Like I think the, I think the Irish... Handicapper as Nella Crooner on one thirty nine. So that's right. Um, so nine pounds there. And obviously the, the English handicapper would add a couple of pounds on to Manella Crooner there, but just a, a bit of a guide. Maybe he's looked back at that point to point form as well. <laughs> you may may very well have. Um, who is the biggest uh, biggest danger to the the horses that we've discussed? So. Um, Manila Crooner we know is, is going to run here. We know Hillcrest is probably going to run unless they wait for entry. Uh, who's the biggest danger in your mind? Yeah, well, say Manila Kakuna might might run here. It sounded like Willie was leaning towards this race, but um, I just think his stamina would be really tested. Um, Chantreuse impressed me last week. Um, he looks an out and out stayer. Um, whether he's got the class of the top two. Just not sure. Wasn't overly sold on Staghorn. He won. Um, sorry, sorry, he was a decent flat horse. Can, can I just say, didn't Willie say, I don't see any need to step up and trip? Yeah, he did initially, but then I read another quote saying that he was leading that way. I think, again, I think that might have been Ruby on last week's quote. Well, I might, might have misheard there. But William Mullins. Whichever way, I, I would. 
I would um, think he would have a better chance in the two mile five race. Yeah, person, me, too. me too. Just just as the way he goes to his races. Um, Staghorn is a decent horse on the flat um, for Archie Watson. He's in the hundreds, hundred and three, I think he was. Um, he won a Hereford first time out, and then he won the, the Grade Two Lemmings, and he was just touched upon. I think that form is is a, is a level below what Hillcrest has achieved in England to be fair, to be fair so far. So, um, and then again, you look through some of them. That the nice guy, you'd, you'd be slightly concerned about one run for him, like completely limited experience. Um, Hollow Games, I think he'll run in, run his race, but I think um, Manel Cruz is is definitely the number one from the Gordon Elliott yard. Journey with me would be a huge player, but I think he's, I don't think he's likely to run at all. Uh, the only other one I looked at further down I thought was a bit of interest. Sometimes Willie does step horses up massively in trip um, for this race and things. See, some of his entries who've been running over short, he would, you, you wouldn't rule them out turning up. One that might be of interest would be uh, What Do You Want? Who was... Um, mm. I think he was a non-runner in the Nathaniel Lacey so he was due to step up to two miles six of the Dublin Race Festival which suggests that he's um, he could go this way he of course did beat Jinto in a bumper of Fairy House in January um, he, was, he was pretty good that day and then he ran an eye-catching race when he was there behind Kilcross in the grade two bumper at the Dublin Race Festival he was beaten a long way in the end but he, um, he was detached down the far side and then ran on in um, eye-catching I catch in fashion. Uh, he won. He stayed on to win over two and a half on debut. And then he was a bit disappointed. But I don't think he got the run of the race behind Chinto and the Lawler was an ace. He was kind of kept wide and um, I'd forgive him. I think he's a bit better than that. He um, couldn't. He think. could not match the mighty Chinto for his no, pace. He could, he could. <laughs> the Chinto turn a foot. Yeah, there you go. Um, he's actually got a pedigree that I know quite well because. Um, Barbara had a horse who was a full brother to him. Um, wouldn't have been wouldn't be the best horse in the world called Shea Hands, who I used to train. And um, she also had Sanger River, who was a half brother to him. And Sanger was a classy, a classy individual who sadly lo- sadly lost his life when fallen behind Shishkin on their respective chase debuts. Um, Ollie and Murphy trained. Stamina didn't would he? be, yeah, yeah. yeah poor um, thing. Sanger was a nice horse. He was a full brother to Hardline, who obviously is still going now for Jiggenstown and Gordon Elliott by Arcadio um, Pedigree doesn't necessarily scream that he wants three miles but um, none of those relatives have really been beyond two and a half but um, his run style when he won his maiden hurdle and in his bumpers did suggest that he looks a stayer um, Shea Hans as full brother certainly wasn't a straightforward with us so whether he's got he's got a quirk or two maybe um, but yeah I think he'd be interesting he'd be priced at the minute if I could see him maybe being pitching up in here and travelling well for a long way, and I certainly think he'd probably outrun his big odds. I say there's quite a few may come out towards the top of that bend. I don't think Jim will run. Um, certainly don't think Journey with me will run. So um, he'd, he'd be the one I'd, I'd, I'd consider a decent price each way. But I think the top of the market's strong. I do like uh, Manila Crooner and Hillcrest. Okay. Uh, if I asked you to pick out of the two, who would it be? Um. I'd probably say I've got that slight doubt about the um, about the fact whether he had a hard race on Saturday, which does nag me a little bit. But I think Hillcrest's the best long-term prospect in the field. I'd possibly just lean with him. 
Um, maybe Manila Crooners had a better preparation in that he's had a slightly longer break. And um, but yeah, they are, I just really like Hillcrest as a horse, and um, hopefully one of these English novices can win a race anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, the more I look at the form, the more I'm, I'm tempted to go, all these people who are saying it's going to be an Irish demolition job at the Jotland Festival, I, I wouldn't be so, so sure of that. Um, I think we'll, we'll definitely win the Presbury Cup, which has mysteriously gone very quiet lately. Um, there's, there's not as much hype about that as there used to be. Uh, I, I wonder why, um, but... I don't, this idea of, oh, we're going to have 22 winners. I don't buy into that. And um, Paul and I will talk about the handicapping system and the way that's changed in, in another podcast as well, um, where Matt Toombs will, will join us, hopefully, uh, and we'll we'll break those down. But um, so Hillcrest is the best long-term prospect and the bet in the race for you, yeah, but, probably. you but you respect Manila Kruner. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think the top two are strong, but... Wouldn't be surprised if they had it between them. Yeah, probably maybe just forced at this stage. I'd maybe lean towards Hillcrest. Obviously, not knowing ground conditions and stuff. I, I should say I haven't had the bet on any of the novice hurdles as of yet because um, just not knowing where they'll all go. I haven't, I haven't had an anti post bet in this division yet this season. Well, I have. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, I am very interested in Chartreuse. I believe. He ran in the same race as Manila Indo did at some point. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So um, there's a there's a little bit of of feedback there, and he's he's quietly come along. He's quietly come along nicely. Uh, but I have concerns about Gordon's Gordon's Henry's uh, stable form. So we'll just have to wait and see how all of that plays out. But um, we'll talk about this race in more depth the closer we get to it but we wanted to give you an overall feel for the race uh, and Paul will be part of that as well um, as things currently stand and entries are coming in for the handicaps today so we'll be talking about those as well um, right the next race that we're going to talk about is the Mayor's Novices Hurdle and before we started recording I said this race is all about two horses and you were guessing so let tell the incredible final forum podcast audience uh, who you thought the two horses I was going to say are. Uh, I did not say yes. I just said the you know blue because that's the one I'm most interested in. But I guess you you maybe you're thinking about Allegory Davasi and Brandy Love. Close Allegory Davasi and Statuaire. Okay. All right. Take it away with Dino Blue. So. Um, yeah, obviously completely limited on experience, which is something I would normally look look towards. But I, I don't think it's it mightn't be a particularly strong renewal um, this year. I just love the way she won at Clonmel. Um, considering it was her race course debut, we'd never seen her previously. Um, she jumped really well um, and pulled right away from La Prima Donna and me Lighthouse, who both were the fourth out to finish next time. Um, La Prima Donna came down, leaving Me Lighthouse to win by 14 lengths at Limerick um, to give the form a little bit of a boost. 
Um, she's got a really nice pedigree. She's a doctor, a five-year-old, who's a half-sister to Blue Sari. He's obviously got good festival form. He was second in the champion bumper on his um, second race course appearance and would have finished second last year in the Coral Cup for form the last. Um, obviously saw him in winning form at the weekend over fences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just really like the performance, to be honest. And um, the top two in the market, I think, Alagora Devasi, she's got the right profile for the race. Um, having had some experience over hurdles in France before joining Willie Mullen, so um, ticks the profile box in that respect. Um, she hasn't done much wrong, really. She won a fairly house and then returned there to win over course and distance in the Sol Arena. Um, it just looks like she she might be a big chasing type to me. She she makes she gives plenty of air and things to hurdles, so um, she could be more of a long term prospect and. I think anyone would be hard pressed to say that Brandy Love was not an unlucky loser. I'm <laughs> not given the amount of ground she gave away by veering to her left um, violently. So you would assume that reverting um, to her left hand, the track at Cheltenham would suit Brandy Love. She's also I've liked since she won a point to point. To be honest, she was she was really impressive that day. She was good on her debut um, in a bumper of Fairy House in December 2020. Um, whether she's just getting a bit wayward and then wayward tendencies would be a bit of a worry on the expanse of new course. Um, so yeah, I was looking to maybe take on those top two. Say Dina Blue does lack the experience, but I think she's got plenty of class about her. I'm hoping the fact that Willie didn't see the, the necessity to run her again is, is as being a positive because she, she did, wasn't even given an entry in that Sol Arena, which is an obvious stepping stone to this race for many mares in Ireland. Um, and she did hold an entry in Sagir Hard's race against the boys at the Dublin Race Festival, which she didn't take up. So um, Willie's obviously seen fit that, that she's professional enough to go go to Cheltenham on the back of just one run. So I take that as positive. Um, of the others, I think Party Central should run well. I think the race will really be one to suit her because she likes to be held up, as we see when she won a handicap hurdle at Leopardstown. Um, at the Dublin Racing Festival, she came from well off the pace to exploit what looked a good mark, 121. Um, and she was idling once she got to the front. So I think she was a bit bit more value for the win, to be honest, um, than the official margin. And I think the strong pace set up, um, again, the configuration of the new course where you can come from off the pace and be delivered late, I think will play to her strength. So I think she'll she'll be delivered and will run a good race, I would have thought. Mm. Uh, this is a race that has been dominated by Willie Mullins. So what do you make of Statuaire? Her final two starts in France, she was pulled up, but she did win a listed hurdle, uh, bolted up on her debut, had to tough it out, but got the job done at Wexford. Um, and then Fairy House. I had mentioned her, Willie Mullins' horses weren't running particularly well at that time of year. Um in late November, early December. And I had mentioned her on the podcast and was watching the race and thinking, jeez, Danny's getting no luck here whatsoever. The amount of interference that she suffered and the fact that Danny had to check and change, lose momentum, check and change, and still manage to get up. And if he'd finished third, I'd have gone, that's really eye-catching. She wins. Um, I was blown away by that. Dublin Racing Festival, I don't know what the hell happened there. Um, but that's 
maybe she's just one of these horses who some days she just doesn't feel like it. Some days she's top class. What do you make of her? Because that form of the of the uh, the defeat of my mate Mazi yeah, was, with, with Mighty Potter in behind, that, that the form of the Royal Bond has worked out really well. I kicked into it was given a bit bit of a beating behind Sigurd, like she was at Dublin Race Festival. But um, I felt Mighty Potter was the one to take out that race, um, and he obviously stepped forward um, when winning at Christmas. It's just a funny race, really. And I think it's a difficult piece of form to trust wholly. Um, she wore a hood when we saw her in that Tassel's Island Novice Hurdle. Um, and she was pretty keen and weakened out of it. Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be rushing to um, back her personally, but I, th- I think going back up and trip might tell her, but she's definitely going to have to settle um, a bit better than she did at Leopardstown. So um, I would imagine that the headgear will be left on again. Mm. So Allegor Devasi is really the one, I know the, what you're saying about Brandy Love, um, kind of, I, I don't necessarily buy it personally. Um, you don't think she can re- reverse form? Allegory Devasi is now going to have a, um, it's worth noting as well, she's going to have a five pound penalty. She is. She'll carry 11 stone in this seven. Race. So she, Brandy Love 11 stone two. Yeah, and Party Central's got the penalty as well. Yeah, um, which is worth bearing in mind because this this is a as a sta- as a statue. So um, the likes of Brandy Love and Dino Blue and Grangi even who fell in the Solarina, he's on. Um, they will be getting five pounds. The other the other one who I, I thought the race the makeup of the race would suit would be LA Bell as well of Dan Skelton's again mm-hmm. rather like Party Central just how the race will unfold. Harry likes to hold LA Bell up. She come off the pace to win over. Two and a half um, at Huntingdon in that Sydney Banks recently, but she's not short of pace, and she came from off the pace to run well in the Champion Bumper last year. I thought two one on the new course, coming from off the pace, ridden as she is, would be perfect for her really. And she'd have been one I'd have been interested in each way at a decent price, but um, Dan seems to be suggesting that she might skip Cheltenham and wait for the Mersey Novice to over two and a half range. Yeah, that was the reason I wasn't mentioning her. Um, but she, yeah, she but I just think, if, I think definitely if she if she gets if they have a rethink and she comes back into the picture, um, I do think the way the race will be run, I say on this on the new course over hurdles, you do want to really come off from off the pace. We've seen this in, a lot of times in this mare's novice hurdle. Um, likes the county and things, you need to be ridden with restraint to ideally suited to the track. So what you're looking for is. A horse who has listed or graded form. You're looking for a horse who's French bred, five or six. Yeah, so plenty of them. Plenty of the um, positives are if they run in France as well, so gained experience there. But I'm going against the grain this year and just going with the uh, the classy filly, the classy man in the race, Dino Blue. And you're also looking for an Irish horse, so you've got Dino Blue in that sense. Um, Allegor Devasi though also comes from the right races. So that's probably the reason yeah. why I'm I'm gonna side with her in the end. Um, if Statuaire wins, I've I've backed her earlier in the season, so that's okay. But I'd also be like, peas and carrots everywhere. Um, so Allegor Devasi for me, and Dino Blue for you. Yeah, so that that race that I should should just touch upon the um, the handicap, the Paddy Mullins handicap that uh, Party Central won last year. That race actually threw up three festival winners. It was. Um, it was won by Heaven Help Us, um, 
who obviously won the Coral Cup, uh, tell me something early, won this race, finished third, and Mrs. Milner fell in that race before she won the um, attempt. So that can also be a, a strong pointer, or it certainly was last year anyway. The year before, Black, uh, Black T has won it as well. So again, she comes out of, if people like to follow pattern of races and things, Allegory, the Vassian Party Central are taking a good route to the festival. Interesting. Very interesting indeed. So, uh, name that race for us again. Uh, it was the Paddy Mullins Handicap, Mayor's Handicap Hurdle at the Dublin Racing Festival, what was won by Party Central this year. Okay. Uh, beating uh, 1 2 for Gordon Elliott's Party Central beats Say Goodbye. Um, okay. The champion bumper. So, Facile Vega was Facile. He was, yeah. <laughs> In victory. Uh, so, son of the incredible Quavega by Walk in the Park. Um, and unlike his mother, no disrespect, no disrespect, Quavega looks a monster. He looks a beautiful, big, strapping horse. Um, he is... Uh, so some firms are going down run no bet, some firms aren't. Uh, the ones who aren't are going threes about him. You might get two quid on. Uh, but generally, he's now odds on on the back of bolting up at Leopardstown twice at the Christmas Festival and then at the Dublin Racing Festival. American Mike, who I have to say, straight up, I absolutely love. 11 to 4. Um, and then you're looking at horses who've just had the one start. Uh, James's Gate came into the picture just last week. He's 12s. Um, wide pink in the park is 14s after getting beaten last time out. I'm not entirely sure, but there you go. Uh, so it's a lot of horses who Fergal O'Brien's got one who's, who's picked up a good bit of experience. Uh, three runs is 16s. Uh, but aside from that, it's horses who've had effectively the one run. Um, overall thoughts on the Weatherby's champion bumper. Yeah, and it's the 25th anniversary of the Weatherby's champion bumper. There's been 29 runs, but this is the 25th year that Weatherby's have sponsored the race. Um, in years gone by um, we've had there have been plenty of winners who've just had the one start but in recent years it has tended to go the way of horses with a bit more proven form five of the past six winners in fact have won um, either enlisted company or graded company previously and I think you kind of go in that way now you want the proven horses and I know last time I was on we'd done a, a special show on the bumpers and that was before Fasal Vega had won for a second time. Um, I think the race is kind of shaping up like last year's race where we had two outstanding candidates in Kilcross and Sagerhard and I think I think the, sh the shape of the race looks exactly the same to me. So how do you split them? Um, looking at the price at the minute, I think obviously recency bias comes into things in terms of the fact that why Fasal Vega is so short, he's done it and then in the short term, whereas American Mike's probably a little bit more forgotten about. But people have short memories in racing, certainly when we're in the betting, in terms of betting, things like that. Um, Fasal Vega has done nothing wrong, obviously, like we touched on when I was in last time. Got an unbelievable pedigree. Um, I walk in the park out of the Club Vega, won at Leopardstown on debut, couldn't have been more impressive. The runner-up's a nice horse and won, has won again since, despite meeting interference at Navin. So I think that was good form. Um, and it, 
I don't think anyone could be, fail to be impressed by the performance um, at Leopard's, back at Leopardstown at the Dublin Race Festival when winning the Grade 2. Um, the runner-up, Sandor Plagain, had won impressively on debut for Paul Nolan. Khan Funnock had bolted up um, at air on his previous start. It's what unites us. It's what unites us even. is a horse that really impressed me when winning on debut. Um, when he won at Navan on the day that Gordon had the seven winners. Um, it's hard to believe that they all didn't perform so it, it's got to be taken as a rock solid piece of form, I think. And obviously the past two winners of that race did go on and get beaten in the champion month I appreciate it and killed Cruz. Uh, but Envoy Allen did win it in 2019. And Rory makes a good point in this year's book. He's back doing the banker robust section. Um, but the fact that two Willies were then beaten in the champion book shouldn't necessarily be a negative. The fact that this grade two at Leopardstown does now throw up a top class performer when you look at what they go on to do. So um, I would echo them sentiments. Um, I think he's, there you go, he's got the strongest piece of form in the book. But I do think in America, Mike, he's going to be facing another potentially top-class rival. Um, he's followed a tried and tested path, um, gone on a downhill race that Gordon likes to win. Uh, and then he went to Navan for the listed um, future champions bumper. Again, a race that, um, Gordon has dictated over the years, dominated over the years. Um, he beat Battle and Bessie by 17 lengths, um, giving that mare seven pounds um, back in December. Battle and Bessie had earlier finished much closer in a listed mare's only event, um, beating just over three lengths by the Model Kingdom at the same track, and was beating just a nose in the mare's bumper um, at the Dublin Racing Festival. So, again, I think even though we didn't see American Mike at Leopardstown in early February his form was certainly given a, a boost on that occasion he showed that he handles decent ground when winning at Navan in December um, and we haven't seen him come off the bridle under rules yet but when he was asked to pick up in his point to point um, the, the response was pretty immediate and he, he forged clear to win by 20 lengths I think if you if anyone watches the point to point back if you go to two out or thereabouts he looks like he's going to win by uh, well, certainly not the margin that he does in the end, and um, asked asked to pick up. He, he soon puts puts good distance between himself and the rest of the field. Again, that was on relatively decent ground, so he's proven on on a better surface if the if the ground does indeed dry up. Um, and at the price, I'll probably just lean towards American Mike because I think the two of them are top class prospects, and I wouldn't be surprised if he. I wouldn't be surprised if the two of them force out the finish and were a, were a little bit away from the rest of the field. To be honest. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think American Mike is the one who's going to win. Um, I'm very much with him. So shall we recap then who we think is going to win? So Supreme Novice is hurdle just, for you. Or is there another uh, horse that's going to No, no. no. Um, at this stage, I'd probably be Dice Art Dino on the proviso that he runs there. <laughs> Same as me. All right. Uh, Ballymore. Again, on the proviso that Dice Art runs in the Supreme, I'll be with Sagir Hard in the Ballymore. I respect him, but I'm with Ginto. Um, potato race? Uh, Hillcrest, We're just both. over Manella Gruner. Yeah, same as me. We're both of them. Mayor's Novices Hurdle? Dino Blue. Allegor de Vassi. And the champion bumper? Uh, back them in a the forecast the two of them will be well clear <laughs> reverse exactly no, I'll, at the price that side with American Mike if he's t- touching just about three to one so. yeah I think 
American mic is is way too big, an insulting price. Actually, I think is, uh, they'll probably they'll probably they'll probably end up going off closer together in the market. All of those, I'd agree with that. Oh, that would actually be pretty certain of that, to be honest. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. Uh, by the way, a um, now it depends on which way you want to go with this. If you want to go in terms of siding with uh, my main man Paul, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, Paul's an absolute genius. But if you were to do a Lucky 31, because we love those, Paul, on Dicer Dynamo, Jinto, American Mike, Alagor Devasi, and Hillcrest, um, you could win yourself 14,000, 50 euro, and 50 cents. Ring, ring, hello. Is that uh, Kaluki? I'd like to place a bet, please. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating, and uh, we'll break it down even more, even more with um, Mr. Paul Ferguson. But right now, you need to act because, as I said, when we announced the promo code last year, you sold out. You sold out you did, yeah. print copy. Uh, and it was helped because uh, I got an email from Justin from uh, shout out to Justin from Weatherby's saying that promo code had a big impact. So uh, the promo code this year, when you go to weatherbyshop.co.uk, you can choose the book. If you want to go old school, you can choose the digital copy like I do, or you can go for the bundle. There's also a uh, daily preview as well. That's there too. So weatherbyshop.co.uk and we're getting you five pounds off either the print or digital copies or the bundle. You can have both. So instant access to the digital copy and then the book will be sent to you, assuming it's still in stock. So act now. You need to be buying now to guarantee that you get your hands in the book. What is the promo code again? Promo code is final 22. And the final is all in lowercase. Final 22. Final 22 make sure that you are involved um get there and uh get onto weatherbyshop.co.uk get your five pounds off uh they're great value anyway but they're even better value when you're getting five pounds off uh courtesy of weatherbees and ourselves at the final forum podcast uh paul will be back with us very soon as we do more cheltenham breakdowns and then we'll be doing uh overall cheltenham specials as well including uh, an overall Cheltenham special with Tosh, which we're recording this week and releasing then over the weekend. And uh, you can see me in person in Moat. Uh, Going to be there alongside the main man, Johnny Ward, uh, Katie Young from Gordon Elliott's Yard. Um, we've got Alan Mangan, who's an absolute legend, listens to the show on a regular basis. Um and uh, a number of others as well. Look, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's taking place in uh, The Well in Moat, Monday night, 8 p.m., doors open at 7 p.m., and you can live stream it if you want at uh, sportsalk.ie forward slash TV, but really, you want to be there in person. It's going to be a lot of fun, and... Uh, can't wait looking forward to it i'm being selective with the children previews that i'm doing in person this year because we're doing a lot from the studio between the final furlong and talk sport so um 
uh, more than happy to do that one. It's uh, for a good cause and uh, should be a lot of fun. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And you know what, Paul? It's nice to be back out doing Cheltenham previews again. It is. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, I've got a few booked in myself, so busy week the week before the festival. Where are we going to see you? Nice to be out. Uh, I've got one in Liverpool on the Wednesday. The well, updates of it. Wednesday the 9th I might be in London that day apparently the day before I'm still waiting for confirmation on that on Friday the 11th I'm up in Motherwell for the Imperial Racing one nice uh, I've got the Weatherbees preview on Thursday the 3rd that's an online preview with Nikki Anderson and Jane Mangan I think excellent and Dan Skelton so yeah good busy times busy times well, that's good to hear. That is good to hear, my man. And uh, we'll have you back on the show again very, very soon. Best of luck with the book. It is essential reading. Um, I always use it every single year uh, for, for previewing between your Cheltenham Festival betting guide from Weatherbees and uh, Proform. Hopefully we'll absolutely knock it, smash it out of the park for Cheltenham this year. But um, we're going to look at Novice Chasers next week. And... Um, surprisingly then we'll be looking at the championship divisions and we have an overall uh Cheltenham preview to do as well so until the next time my friend cheers Emma take care and get to your weatherbeesshop.co.uk and use the promo code final22 to secure your copy of Paul's excellent book the Weatherbees Cheltenham Festival betting guide and it's 2030 year now um some fantastic guest pundits involved as well including So you want to be getting involved in that. Uh, it's just, it's gold. It's so well put together. And um, the way it's it's printed, Paul breaks down the information very, very easily for you. You don't have to deeply go into the stats if you want to. You can just glance at them. They're beautifully presented. Uh, there's so many fantastic uh, insights. And uh, just after doing the breeding angles, which are, are always intriguing. Um, the Irish team, of course. So I highly recommend it. Uh, get the, your, yourself the promo code now, final22, all lowercase, final22, and get £5 off. Until our Cheltenham special with Tote, and our weekend preview with Rory Delarkey, and me being in Moat, the Well Moat, 8pm, for a Cheltenham Festival preview alongside Mr. Johnny Ward. Uh, make sure you're there, 8pm. And um, it'll be streamed online as well. We'll tell you more about that in the Sweet Machine. Take care. Be safe. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday. We love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign up now.